Hey there, and welcome to the Rock Reavers podcast. Here we are all about believing and proclaiming the word. We're totally given to true worship and obedient in taking the gospel to the nations through missions. Thank you so much for tuning in. We hope that you'll be blessed by this message. The book of Joshua, chapter 1. Let's get into the word of God. The book of Joshua, chapter 1. I want us to read from verse 1 to verse 16. But before that, we can do our statement of faith. Amen. Our visitors, welcome to church. So good to see you in this church. We believe in winning. We, we are not victims. Amen. God is with us. And we want to announce, even as you have joined us today, that this is the last day you are losing. Amen. Amen. Let's go. I am a winner. Let me request us to stand up. Amen. Amen. All right, let's go. Three, two, one. I am a winner. To reflect what God says about me. Nothing is impossible from this moment on, for I am a new breed, a new kind, a remnant, and I am after my purpose. I'll ask you to sit down. I'll request Sister Abby to join me on the pulpit. Lady of God, join me on the pulpit. Give her a mic. Amen. Usually when somebody goes to the pulpit, you celebrate them. <laughs> Amen. Sister Abby will, will, will read for us Joshua chapter 1. Uh, verse 1 to verse 18. If you have not been reading your scriptures, we got you. You didn't pray for the nation. We prayed for the nation together this morning. If you have not been reading the Bible this week, God is about to, to help, help us read together. We'll read from the King James. I'll hold for you this one. I, I have ambushed her. Please clap for her. <laughs> clap for her. I met with her in the morning when we were walking into church at 5 minutes to 10 a.m., it was, so, it was so good to see her at 5 minutes to 10 a.m. Ask your neighbor, neighbor, what time did you come to church this morning? <laughs> it was so nice to see you at 9.30. Amen. Verse 1 to verse 18. Okay. And I will read. Amen. Now after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, it came to pass that the Lord spoke unto Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' minister, saying, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now therefore arise, governor, this Jordan... Though, uh, sorry, now therefore arise, go over this Jordan, though and all these people unto the land, which I do give to them, even to the children of Israel. Every place that the sole of your foot shall trend upon, that I have given unto you, as I said unto Moses, from the wilderness and this Lebanon, even unto the great river, the river Euphra, Euphra Euphrates all the land of the Hittites, and, un and unto the great sea, toward the going down of the sun shall be your coast. There shall not any man be able to stand before thee all the days of thy life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not fail thee, nor forsake thee. Be strong and of good courage, for unto these people, uh, for unto these people shalt thou divide for an inheritance the land which I swore unto their fathers to give them. Only be thou strong and very courageous, that thou mayest observe to do according to all the law which Moses my servant commanded thee. Thou not from it to the right hand or to the left, that thou mayest prosper with, with, with uh, whatsoever thou goest. This book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein 
day and night that thou mayest observe to do according to all that it is written therein. For then thou shalt make thy uh, way prosperous, and then thou shalt have good success. Have I not commanded thee, be strong and of, of good courage, be not afraid, neither be thou dismayed, for the Lord thy God is with thee, where, where, with wheresoever thou goest. Then Joshua commanded the officers of the people, saying, Pass through the host and command the people, saying, Prepare you victuals, for within three days ye shall pass over this Jordan to go in to possess the land which the Lord your God given you to possess it, and to the Reubenites and to the Gadites, and to half the tribe of Manasseh, spake Joshua, saying, Remember the word which Moses, the servant of the Lord, commanded you, saying, The Lord your God hath given you rest and hath given you this land. Your wives, your little ones, and your cattle shall remain in the land which Moses gave you on this side Jordan. But ye shall pass before your brethren armed all the mighty of valor and help them. Until the Lord have given you brethren rest as he has given you, and they, sh they also have possessed the land which the Lord your God given them. Then ye shall return unto the land of your possession and enjoy it which Moses, the Lord's servant, gave you on this side Jordan towards the sun rising. And they answered Joshua, saying, All that thou commandest us, we will go, and whichsoever thou sendest us, we will go. According as we, ha we hearkened unto Moses in all things, so we will hearken unto thee. Only the Lord thy God be with thee as he was with Moses. Whatsoever he be that doth rebel against thy commandment, and will not hearken unto thy words in all that thou commandest him. He shall be put to death. Only be strong and of a good courage. Amen. Let's clap for her. Thank you so much. Come and clap for her until she sits down. Thank you so much, Sister Abby. Amen. Every time we deal with God's word, it's very important that we correctly appreciate and appropriate the wisdom of God because when God opens up his word for us, his intention is always to bring us to the place where we are able to walk into his will and to appreciate, as it were, the resources that he has revealed unto us. So God is not under duress to speak. God does not speak because he wants to impress us. God does not speak because he has nobody to speak to. God does not speak because he's under duress to speak but he only speaks in the end that we may be able to move forward. And every time we come to church on Sunday morning, it's very important for us to begin embracing the mind that we are in a destiny moment. We are in a destiny moment. I love what Pastor Julie said today, that we have come to Mount Zion and to the city of the living God. Look at Hebrews chapter 12, verse 24. To the heavenly Jerusalem, that when you step into church, you are stepping into a supernatural environment. And that is why I'm excited about church. Because we are in a place where anything can, can happen. It is in church that you come depressed and walk out laughing loudly. Amen. 
It is in church that you come in, you know, suffering mental block. And all of a sudden, the spirit of God uh, overwhelms your mind and unctions your soul. So much so that all of a sudden, you open up your mouth and say, you know, my heart is like the heart of a ready writer. You see, he says that he's now writing indelibly in your heart. It is in church that God begins to move his things. So it is important for us to appreciate that when we enter church, it's a supernatural it's a supernatural moment. Amen. And it is a moment of freedom. It is a moment where we're in our Father's house. It's a moment where we're in the presence of God. Now, the Revelator said something in the book of Revelation chapter 5. This is John the Revelator. Remember he said earlier that I was in the spirit in the day of the Lord. By the time he gets to chapter 5, he says that I was weeping profusely. Then and the angel of the Lord appeared unto me and said, weep not. No more. He says, weep not anymore because the lion of the tribe of Judah has prevailed. The root of David has overcome and is worthy to open the book and to lose the seals thereof. He's basically saying that he was weeping because God's word was shut and there was no access to God's word. Verse 9 says, and they sang a new song saying, Every time God's word comes to your life, there has to be a new song in the name of Jesus. And I perceive, I perceive August is going to be that month when you will sing a new song. I said I perceive August is going to be that month when you will sing a new song. I need to teach you how to receive. I perceive that August is going to be that month when you will sing a new song. Amen. 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 Oh, I receive it myself. I can't wait for August. Praise the Lord. Ha! This month, let me tell you, whatever I've not done the last January, February, March, watch this August. Things are going to happen. Amen. He said, and they sang a new song saying, every time God's word is opened up, there has to be a new song in our lives. God uses his word to open us up into new seasons and into new songs. The song is a carrier of testimony. You'll just be dancing around saying, I am videoing my praise. See what the Lord has done. I serve a very big God. Amen. And that is what God is talking about here. That they sang a new song saying, Thou art worthy to take the book and to lose the seals thereof. Because thou hast been slain and redeemed us by thy blood. So every time God's word is opened up as we get ready for the word today, prepare yourself to sing a new song. Amen. We find ourselves at the book of Joshua and we are looking, we are examining destiny keys. What does it take to enter into the purpose that God has called us. What is the journey like? God is careful enough to release to us a blueprint in his word that ensures we are not walking as those without a father. We are not walking as people who are confused. Praise the Lord. We are walking, as Paul says, we are walking circumspectly. We are taking calculated steps. We are not groping in the dark. God has released his word and is clear now in the book of Joshua about how to enter the promised land. And it's very important that we, in examining what God did with the man of God, Joshua, it is very important for us to begin to see what then is he saying to you today. As a foundation, let me put this scripture here. The book of John chapter 10, verse 10. Scripture says that the thief cometh not, but for to steal, to kill, and to destroy. That the enemy has an agenda that is tripartite. 
is a threefold agenda. Somebody say they, want, they have one bullet. The enemy has three bullets. The first one is to do what? To steer. That deals with possession. The other one is to do what? To kill. That deals with life. And to completely destroy. That deals with legacy. That that is the intent of the enemy. And that is what happened in Egypt. Do you remember scripture says that there arose a king that did not know Joseph. And all of a sudden, what they thought was the promised land became a land of slavery. What they thought was God's escape and God's solution to the famine in their land. Remember how they got to Egypt. That there was famine at home. And God, using his servant Joseph, opened up a door. And they came into Egypt. Entered into abundance. And what looked like God's solution all of a sudden was corrupted and turned. Did you know that even God's will can be hijacked by the enemy? Not defeated, but hijacked. Have you entered into a door that God opened and found yourself at a place of slavery and frustration? And confusion and the theft of the enemy. And it's, this is important because God is saying, I will open the door. But he is saying that it is you that will keep the door open. Amen. That God will ordain a marriage. But the joy in that marriage falls largely in your hands. That the Lord will give us an opportunity in business and in the marketplace. But it is up to us to begin to appropriate the resources of heaven, the spiritual uh, endowments of the Spirit of God to ensure that we are walking steadily. The children of Israel are now in, are now in Egypt and they are crying. And they are in a place where their identity has been robbed. Yes, yes, last Sunday I talked about how that Moses escaped death. But how many more firstborns were killed? Scripture says that in that night, whales were heard in Egypt. Can you imagine that you are there, you are eating your omena, and you are eating your skuma wiki, and you, you, are, you are chilling, and, you are, and then somebody opens the door and slaughters your firstborn. Now you have to understand with me that in the culture at the time, the firstborn, the opening, the loosener of loins was a very significant child in the house. That soldiers would come in. The firstborn that God gave you is slaughtered before your very eyes. The vision that God really allowed you to be conceived all of a sudden, it looks like it is not going to pass. And it's a place of psychological torture. And it's a place of trauma. Because it looks like the victory of God has turned into defeat. And they find themselves at a place of slavery. And they lift up their voice. And they call unto God. And God answers. Now it's important now we see what happens next. And you know the movie. You have watched the movie. You have seen this story before. And Moses rises up and says, I want you to do something. And this is going to shock you because you have never done it before. He says, there's a solution of God in heaven. It is not what you expect, he says. He says, there's a way that God has ordained for you to walk out of Egypt without having to fight. You can come out free, he says. He says, what I want you to do, I want you to apply blood. We have the benefit of hindsight. And the problem is it causes us to be intellectually lazy and theologically ignorant because we think it was an obvious thing. I thought you would say, cut the head of Pharaoh. I thought you would say, cut the head of your masters. I thought you would say, curse your employer. I thought you would say, resign. God says, I want you 
to apply the blood. Amen. I want you to apply the blood. There is great strength in the blood of Jesus. There is great strength. I don't know if you are listening to what I'm saying this morning. If you're in the spirit, you'll catch me shortly. There is great strength in the blood of Jesus. There is great strength in the blood of Jesus. He says, I don't want you just to talk about the blood. No, I want you to apply the blood on your doorposts. I want you to take a generous amount of the blood and sprinkle it on your doorposts. So that when the angel of death is come, when I see the blood, I will pass over you. And God begins to release a supernatural key to us. That you can avoid the thief coming not but for to steal, kill, and destroy. That when the thief comes, I don't need to negotiate with him somebody. That when the thief shows up at my door and he wants to hijack my vision, I don't have to negotiate with him. All I need to do is to apply the blood. Amen. I need to apply. When is the last time you pleaded the blood of Jesus upon your family? When is the last time you said, oh God, I cover this apartment with the blood of Jesus. I cover this business with the blood of the lamb. I'm covering the driver of this company. I'm covering the manager of this company. I am covering my wife with the blood. I'm covering my children with the blood. There is something about the blood of Jesus. If there is a destiny master key, is walking in the supernatural with the realization that I am covered by the blood. Amen. I am covered by the blood. I thank God because we don't have a blood that is silent. Oh, glory to God. Hey, hey. It is one thing to apply the blood. But as you apply the blood, the blood begins to speak. Haven't you read Hebrews chapter 12 verse 25? He says, we have come to the blood of sprinkling that speaketh better things than the blood of Abel. That is why when the enemy says you are going down, I don't need to respond because the blood is already speaking that you are going up. You are moving forward. It doesn't matter what is happening in your life right now. It doesn't matter how it looks like. It doesn't matter how you are feeling. This morning, God called me to remind you that the blood is speaking. Amen. Ezekiel said, as for thee also, even by the blood of the covenant, I have set thee forth out of the pit wherein there is no water. That the blood of Jesus can carry somebody from the pit. Oh, glory to God. Somebody said, now, finally you have been buried. It looked, you thought you were making it, but now you have been buried. Somebody said, you have been buried by debt. You have been buried by credit. But Jesus said, as for thee also, even by the blood of thy lamb, I have set thee forth out of the pit wherein there is no water. The blood of Jesus can carry you out of every wilderness. The thief coming not but for to steal, kill, and destroy. But I'm telling you, you better sound a warning to the enemy that he's going to come and he'll find a prepared man applying the blood of Jesus. Amen. That's why when you sit in your desk, before you open Gmail, you must just say the blood, the blood, the, the blood upon this laptop. These are blood-covered emails. Have you ever sent an email and lost a job? I don't know if you know what I'm talking about. That you just sent an email, all of a sudden HR is on your case. Why did you send this email? You copied the wrong people before you know it. What's that like a good day on Monday morning ends up with no job. The devil is a liar. The blood, the blood, the blood, the blood, the blood. Amen. So Moses says, I want you to apply the blood. I want you to apply the blood. It is John that told us that they overcame him how? By the blood of the lamb. By the blood of the lamb. Then he says, the word of their testimony. The word of their testimony. They, I'm showing you how to win this life. The word of their testimony. The 
word of their testimony. That means for the victorious child of God, there is always a testimony in their mouth. Amen. I remember one day, I was at the university. My mom called me. I asked mom, what's up? Mom says, come home. You know, when mom says, come home, that, you know, usually when somebody says, come home, I say, mom, just tell me, use WhatsApp, use SMS. You can text me. Then she says, come home. That is how you know this is the day I'm not attending classes. This is the day whether or not I have transport, I got to get home because it's time to go home now. Mama said, come home. And I reach home and I find my mom seated in an empty sitting room. And I ask mom, what happened? Were we robbed? Were we, what happened here? She says, we've just been auctioned. And the house is now empty. Then I ask mom, uh, so what is the plan? Then, you know, my mom begins to say something, and it, it was a powerful lesson for me. That, you know, actually, Stan, when I think about it, those surfaces were actually old. All of a sudden, this is an opportunity for us to buy new surfaces. I say, what manner of faith is this? Somebody said, I'm being auctioned. I'm just like, oh, God, I have eyes. I can see them auctioning me. Thank God for my eyes that can function. Thank God for my feet that I will walk tomorrow to the marketplace and produce another surfaces in Jesus' name that I can be testifying while going down. Somebody said, ha, ah, now finally the bank has come to auction you. The devil is a liar. You said the bank has auctioned my property, but my mind remains in Intact. The one that produced this one will produce another one. Amen. That they overcame him by the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony. What is your testimony this morning? What is your testimony this morning? There has to be an open mouth policy with every child of God. An open mouth policy that every time something is happening, there is a way to have victory. That the market is not responding to your marketing. The devil is a liar. You can begin speaking and say, oh God, thank you because this marketing material is blood washed and it is beginning to work for my favor. In the name of Jesus, I refuse that this marketing will not work. I refuse that this proposal is not going forward. Oh God, I'm going for an interview. Lord, this is a blood blood-washed interview. As I open up my mouth, they will begin loving me without understanding. Ha! Let me tell you, you don't understand these things of faith. There's a child of God who went into an interview. Can you follow me to that interview? And it was on a Tuesday morning. And this interview was not your usual interview. Because some of us, you go for an interview, you meet in Java. That is how you know that was not the right interview. Now you are in an interview, you have done number one, technical step. That you have to do some, you have to prove that you have some accounting skills. They have finished the first step. Then they go to the second step. Can I go to the second step? Where now they do something called chemistry screening. Are you able to fit in the team? They check out your personality. They check out your attitude. They check out are you a team player and so on. Then finally you come before the exco. And now you have reached the highest level of the interview where the decision makers of the company are about to decide whether or not you are joining that company. Then this child of God enters that place having passed the others. And they said, why don't you give us a reason why we should employ you? And the child of God lifted up his voice. Let me add some commentaries because we are preachers and we like hyperbole. And he looked at them with eyes, like those eyes of a fire. And he looked as if he was about now to call fire from heaven. And he said, oh, exco, oh, exco. You miss a point to put the organ. Oh, exco, oh, exco, oh, business bosses. <laughs> why don't you give me a reason why you should, you should employ me? Ha! I like that one. 
Why don't you give me a reason? Somebody said you have to prove your worth. No. Why don't you prove your worth? The devil is a liar. Somebody said, aha, uh -huh, this is the reputation that you are known for. No, 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 no. They overcame him by the blood of the lamb and the word of their testimony. Listen to me. I have a testimony when I'm going down. I have a testimony when I am going up. I have a testimony at all times. There is nothing on hell that is too difficult for me not to testify. Praise the Lord. Somebody said, you know, I was in an accident. My legs is gone. Thank you, Jesus. I can see my eyes. I can see the doctor. Oh, doctor, at least I have these eyes I'll use to read your diagnosis so that I know how to pray. Amen. Amen. No disadvantage in Egypt is strong enough to stop the blood of the lamb. They come out by two keys. The first one is the blood of the lamb. And the second one is testimony. Tell your neighbor testimony. Let me get to the book of Joshua now. And they get into the desert. Remember, John 10.10. 10. Don't forget that. That's our anchor scripture. That, but, the, but the thief coming not but for to steal, kill, and destroy. You see that? That is Egypt. But I am calm. But, but, but. Tell your neighbor, but. There is a but in destiny. Uh-huh. There is a but in destiny. What did the preachers preach this Sunday? There is a but. There is a but. Somebody said in the English lesson, and if you are, I know you're good English students over here, that when there is a discourse and somebody is making an argument and they introduce the word but, it basically means please ignore whatever has been said before. Whatever has been said before is completely irrelevant. It is power, powerless and of no consequence. Praise the Lord. That is why when somebody says, you know, you're such a good person and we like you and you come to work on time, but. But they say, but, ha, just say, I'm resigning, I'm resigning, I'm resigning. <laughs> because when but comes, it means whatever was said before is irrelevant. But I am come that he may have life. Salvation. Salvation. I am come that he may have life. Salvation. And that's what happened. That the children of Israel were saved at that point. The blood was applied unto them and they exited Egypt. That the tension in the text now is that they are saved but they are not in the promised land. And that there is an in-between between the deliverance and the promise of God with the actual entry into the promised land. And scripture says that they walked out of Egypt and Pharaoh changed his mind. And then pursued them. Then if you look at 1 Corinthians chapter 10 verse 1 to 6, it begins to show us that when they were baptized, when they passed through the Red Sea, they were actually being baptized unto Moses. Scripture says in verse 7 in concluding that all these things were written that we may not be ignorant of the types from the Greek word Taipei, which means examples of God to be able to understand what he's speaking to us. And he said, and you know of the rock that followed them and they drank from that water and that water and that rock was Christ. Now they are saved, they applied the blood, got into the, got into the Red Sea, they got baptized, water baptism. But now they find themselves in the wilderness. And they're in the wilderness during Moses' time for 40 years. Now, biblically, the number 40 signifies a generation. That for 40 years, one scholar called it the death march. That for 40 years, they were walking and wandering. And they were experiencing dry places and unproductive spaces. And 
in every of those days, 280 people were dying. And I can imagine, and imagine with me for a minute, you can begin to think what then was the psychological positioning of the children of Israel. That you got us out of Egypt to die in the desert. Somebody said, I wish you left us alone. We could be eating the onions of Egypt. That now I have come out, but I am wandering in the desert. And wandering and wandering and wandering. And being tormented in dry places. And being tormented by unproductive land. And it looks like the promise will never come to pass. And this is where Joshua opens up because they are at the bank of the river Jordan. That is where they are in the text. They are just about to cross over into the promised land. But that is us who know. According to them, I'm sure the questions were, could this be another scheme? Could this be, why is it that for 40 years, what is now, what is now going to be different? Because last year, August, you also said this is going to be my month. What will change this time? For 40 years. And one thing that I begin to see clearly is that despite my wilderness, God remains consistent. That there is no inconsistency. You will see in verse 2, there is no inconsistency with God. That even in the wilderness, I might not have seen the promised land, but his presence was with me. That there was a cloud by day. Ain't it interesting that you can be walking smack in the, in the presence of God, but you are in the desert? That is why I begin to challenge the theology. That when you are walking in the presence of God does not mean we, I see flowers. I'm seeing rainbows. It's ice cream for breakfast and chicken for lunch and pizza for, for snack and chocolates for dinner and fogo for midnight snack. That I am walking in the presence of God does not mean that I will not experience wilderness days. And the enemy is a liar because when the wilderness comes, you begin to hear perhaps God is not with you. Remember Job, why don't you cast God and die? Because you, you, he's abandoned you. That even when I am walking with God, miraculously, I could be in the desert. That the presence of God is so heavy, it has become a cloud. Have you ever entered this meeting where, can you see the cloud? Can you see the cloud? Somebody, can you see the cloud? The cloud is in the house. This one, they were seeing it. The cloud was so heavy, it was a shadow. Praise the Lord. That I'm in the desert, but the heat of the desert is not touching me. <laughs> ah, I don't know if, you are, if I have a church this morning. Did you hear what I said? You see, what will happen is, God will ensure you go through, you go through it. Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. His commitment is on you, but his commitment is not on things. Ha, 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 ha. Did you know that the environment might refuse to cooperate, but God is saying, fine, you're in the desert, but I'm with you. And I'll be with you in a way that you cannot deny I am with you. Amen. Amen. You know what that does? That gives me something called emotional stability insurance. Amen. Emotional stability insurance. Because my relationship with God is not based on what is happening in my life. Because I am sure that he is with me. Look at Psalms 100 verse 1. He says, come before God with a loud voice of praise and shout. 
Now, he didn't qualify and say, come before God with a loud voice of praise and shout when you're winning. We are always coming before God with a praise and shout. It is very difficult, even here in Rivers Church, to know what people are going through. Why? Because the presence of God has beautified us. Amen. We have been ironing our one shirt. You don't even know it's the same shirt. You think it's five shirts. But the presence of God has maintained it. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. That removes you from the place where you're moved by what you see. Ha. You, 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 you come out of being tormented with what you have and what you don't have. Praise the Lord. Says the presence of God was with them. By cloud by night. Eh? And then eh, pillar of fire by night, cloud by day. But there's an argument now that I must bring to us. And it's a very interesting one. Because that, this then becomes the hinge of the story. And it introduces tension because the argument is that in the wilderness, they experienced more miracles than in the promised land. That there were more miracles, more miracles, more miracles, the supernatural in the desert than in the promised land. Two thoughts, two thoughts if you, if you agree. The first... Any time I see desert, I know miracle is just about the corner. Ha! I don't know if you understand what I'm talking about. That there is a desert, that is the foundation for miracles. That nothing is working, it means only God can turn me around. But the balance to that is when I'm entering into my promised land, things begin to change. Because the just man does not live by miracles. Let me say that again. The just man does not live by miracles. The just man does not live by the supernatural. Now, if one scholar did a comparison about the ground that the miracle-heavy generation covered and the ground that the principle-heavy generation covered, and it is clear that those that walked in principle are the ones that entered the promised land. And here's the hinge now. So they are the bank of the river Jordan. And we looked at transitioning. Scripture says, now after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord. It came to pass. I mean, verse 1, we'll do chapter 1. Today we'll finish. We have time. It says, now after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, it came to pass that the Lord spake unto Joshua. Two thoughts. The first is that Moses is dead and the children of Israel are moving. And the key there is that we need to learn how to handle transitions. Those things that are dead are dead. Amen. No matter how great they are, no matter how amazing they are. Before the prophet of God, John, in Israel, the biggest, the biggest prophet was Moses. It is Matthew that says, among them born of women, there has not written, there has not risen greater than John the Baptist. But before that, the servant of God that was celebrated in bounds was Moses. And now scripture is saying that Moses is dead. Moses who would strike the rock and water comes out. Moses who would command the sea and the sea would stop. Moses who would lift up his hand and the children of Israel will, will, will have victory in the, in, the, in, the, in the valley. That Moses died. Can you imagine? In fact, scripture says that Moses was so strong that when he died, the NIV says he was full of vitality and his eyes were clear. That he didn't die an old man. He died strong and ready 
for battle, that he was so strong. Another author says that he took God to kill him. And it is God that buried him. That man died. Have you been in a place in your life where there was this job? Have you ever heard of a dream job? Praise the Lord. This is the job your parents told you about. This is the job you have been praying about. This is the job they teach you in class about. You finally entered that job and you said hallelujah seven times. And now there's a letter on your desk and you have to deal with it. And for business people, there are those contracts that you know you begin saying, there's this contract I am working on. And if I get, let me digress a little bit. Have you ever met these guys who are always working on something? And the end of that presentation is, why don't you send me transport? Because there's something I'm working on. When this thing comes out, my life will never be the same again. There is a business, us businessmen, we will tell you, we will tell you that there is this business, just am I speaking to you, there is this business we are working on right now that if this business went through, our lives will never be the same again. Then that business does not go through. Moses is dead. Move on. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. That God has more than one, <laughs> more than one bullet. Amen. Are you, having, are you having fun in church? So it says, my servant Moses is what? Is dead. So the Lord, it came to pass that the Lord spake unto Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' minister. Let me share with you three quick, three quick thoughts. The first time we see Joshua is the book of Numbers chapter 17, when there is a battle, right? That's the Amalekite battle. After that, we see Joshua following Moses up the mountain. After that, we see Joshua dealing with the priest. You remember Aminadad, the two priests that could not prophesy and they were outside of the camp and the spirit of God moved so mightily and everybody was prophesying and, jo and, and Joshua said, these ones are not part of us. And you see Joshua serving. And when you study care carefully, you begin to realize that Joshua had two anointings. How many? Two. Two anointings. The first one was when Moses laid upon him and the spirit of wisdom came upon him. And scripture said that Joshua was a servant. That Joshua was a servant. That is key number four. That before God ever would give us the anointing to rule, we must have the anointing to serve. That before God could ever elevate any man in this world, men don't just get elevated. That before I could want to enter my place of rulership and commanding, I must be diligent with service. Joshua's first anointing is the anointing of servanthood. He is called a servant. Look at Psalms chapter 100 verse 2. He says, serve the Lord with gladness. Gladness. There's a disposition of service in the heart of the Christian who will enter into destiny. No man ever ascended into dominion, rulership, before they could learn service. Let me tell you and let me tell you properly. If you are currently cheating your employer, the day you become an employer, they will cheat you too. I know you heard me. If you are currently not being faithful with what is in your hands, your next level will be destroyed because of your previous level. That you can't cheat the system. That before you rule, you must serve. Amen. That before you rule, you must serve. That before you reign, you must serve. That there has to be an anointing, a disposition of the heart of service. Praise the Lord. 
And I know people in this church who are serving God with gladness. Amen. I've never seen such a church where everybody is a servant. Praise the Lord. That there is a disposition of service. That you can just call somebody, baby, how can I serve you today? How can I serve you? Can I, can I, pick for, can I do some errands for you? That is what you need to do with three days. Not exhaust bundles on Netflix. Amen. Uh, I know you heard me. There has to be service, 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 service. Service comes first. And scripture says that Joshua was the servant of Moses. Now look at verse 2. Moses, my servant, is dead. Now therefore, arise, go over the Jordan, thou and all these people, unto the land which I do give them, even to the children of Israel. Every place that the sole of your foot shall tread. Today I have seven keys. This is the fifth one now, verse 3. Every place that the sole of your foot shall tread upon, that have I given unto you. Let me read that slowly. Every place, look at your neighbor and tell them, every place that the sole of your foot shall tread upon. Not every place that you will desire to tread upon. Not every place that you will plan to trade upon. Not every place that you will dream to trade upon. Not every place that you will discuss to trade upon. But every place that the sole of your foot shall tread. Okay, let me use uh, normal English. Basically, if you look at Street Bible, there's a Bible called Street Bible. You know it? Have you read Street Bible? Please Google and look at Street Bible. It says basically that the covenant is between God and the sole of your foot. That where you put your foot down, there I will give you. So you have to put your foot down. Amen. What is it that you're putting your foot down ab about this, this month? Praise the Lord. What is it? You know, somebody said, we have been anointing you until there's fingerprints of very many of God, many men of God on your head. But yet all you needed to do is just to put your foot down. He says the covenant is between the sole of your foot and God. Not your desires, not what you're praying for, not what you desire to do, but just put your foot down. And this is where you can begin to draw a line and say this is the last place you are reaching you frustration. You are not following me into August. Amen. God is saying put your foot down. That is called backbone, backbone, backbone. They are all just being kicked around and you are, you are accepting to be kicked. No, I'll be like, kick me one more time. And what you call leg will turn, into, will turn invisible. You will have no leg again to kick me. This is the last time you are kicking me around. Amen. 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 Oh, glory to God. Put your foot down. Somebody said, I've been dating. Everybody I date, they don't seem to be serious. They don't commit. It's always, we always get to the, to, the, to the banks of River Jordan, but we never cross over. It is time to put your foot down. And say, the next joker that is coming on my DM, we must cross over the Jordan. Amen. Amen. That every time I get ready to enter into business and I have sent the proposal and I have done meetings and I have quoted and I have even issued ETR receipt because I know that this deal is going through, then I get a regret letter. It is time to put your foot down and say, oh God. The next proposal I am sending, this is the opener. This is the door opener. I said the next proposal I'm sending, put your foot down. Amen. That God will go with you as father as you want to go. 
that the commitment for ascendancy is based on how far you want to ascend. And the question that begs to be answered is how far did they go? How far did the children of Israel go? If you study the book of Joshua, you'll realize that the promised land was 300,000 square miles. And they covered only 30,000 square miles. That you are crying, God give me influence over the media. And God is crying, release albums. And there is a cry competition. God, I take Ruaka. God says, son, go to Ruaka. You're taking Ruaka and you are in Kitale. That is why I wonder Kizar to leave Busia. <laughs> Amen. That is called the trade, your foot trading. Take steps. That is why we must watch Pastor Julie. Amen. We must watch Pastor Julie. You have seen here August 13th. No committee. August 13th. No budget. No poster. No big speakers from Nigeria. August 13th. Amen. What is that? Everywhere your foot will tread. Amen. We have said here many times, zero percent deposit. What is that? That is our feet treading. We have said we are raising smart children. What is that? That is our feet treading. There is a covenant that where we put our leg, God is there. Look at Psalms chapter 19 verse 17. He said, hey, God will bless the work of your hands and establish your labor. Amen. So the covenant is in the steps. What steps are you taking? That God is committed to the degree of your commitment. Are you seeing that? That God is committed to the degree of your commitment. He's speaking to a people who have not entered. He's giving them instructions now. He's telling them, I want, I want to show you. For 40 years, they have not entered. I want now to show you how to enter. I'm now showing you. I'm giving you the blueprint. I'm giving you the manuscript. I'm giving you the do's and don'ts. I want to show you how to make this thing work. That's what he's saying. And he's saying where you, where you put your foot down. Look at this. There shall be no any man able to stand before thee all the days of your life. God is saying, as you take steps, I am dealing with the obstacles. You see that? That is why Joshua would come with the military. Now, I want you to read Bible history. The military was not trained. Joshua was the first military leader. The military did not have formations. They were not mighty in battle. No. They were not skilled in warfare. They had disadvantage. God is saying, no problem. I know you have a tactical disadvantage seeing that you are not a trained army but as you take your steps i am dealing with the obstacles are you seeing that are you seeing that as you take the steps i am dealing with the obstacles that there's an obstacle but don't worry about the obstacle i just want you to take the step somebody said i've been praying for my husband but this man is wicked don't worry about the obstacle as you take the steps to becoming a good wife god is dealing with the obstacle let me say that again that this husband of mine is wicked you don't understand wickedness in fact wickedness dwells in his heart no one day you said i love you one day you said for better for worse here is worse now take a step as you take a step god is dealing with the obstacle amen amen oh thank you jesus forever amen 
that there is no obstacle to the man that is taking steps. Are you seeing that? That there is no. That is why this man of Johnny Walker, he stole our revelation. Because he says keep walking. That is Bible. He stole our, our revelation. And he's been walking for 100 years. I'm shocked. You know Johnny Walker, neighbor. <laughs> I thought you'd ask which book is that. <laughs> neighbor! Where were you last night? Praise the Lord. <laughs> oh, glory. I just love you guys too much. Don't you love church? Are you enjoying church? These are destiny keys. Let me tell you. These are destiny keys. By the time you are crying, be crying because you are filled of the Holy Spirit. There is nothing so strong that will cause you to cry. Praise the Lord. The only X I understand is exception in the things of God. Amen. I don't have any. You, you give me an, you make me an X, I'll be like, baby, you just made me exceptional. <laughs> oh, glory. <laughs> glory to God. Why is it that there's help in the house of God? Because any one of us here has capacity. When somebody says, come, you know, my house has been, my house has been closed. You say, don't worry, baby. Even me, my kidney was cut last week. But we praise the Lord. Because there is no obstacle, we keep taking steps. That which the kidney was doing, God, the Spirit of God in us will continue doing. Amen. Amen. That is promised land living. That is how you take your destiny. Amen. Complainings, cryings, we left them in Egypt. Amen. Let me go to verse 6. Be strong. Now, three keys. Then I close. We have nine minutes. Three keys. Here are three keys. We're on key number five. See you. Three more. Here is one. He talks about be strong and of good courage. And he talks about it three times. Three times he talks about be strong. Tell your neighbor, be strong. And of good courage. Be Tell your neighbor, be strong. Be strong. Be strong. Be strong. You know, I've been tamaking for five years. Be strong. Be strong. There's, there's no food at home. Be strong. You know, I've been trying to get this thing done, but I don't seem to get it together. Be strong. Be strong. God is saying, be strong. Be strong. Then he says something interesting. That it is not a strength without a foundation. This is not determination. You know, I've determined in my heart to do it. It is not, I am, I am able to do it. I have muscles. I have purpose in my heart to do it. No. He gives us a very powerful key. Look at verse 6. He says, be strong and of good courage. For unto these people shalt thou divide for an inheritance the land. Which? Now, he says, uses the word swear. Swear is promise squared. That's why I'm about to change my vows. Say, I promise to be with you for better for us. No, I swear, baby. I swear. Ah, that one. You know, promise, okay. A promise is a debt. Oh, you broke my promise. No, we want to enter into swearing dimensions. Says, I swear. Huh? Which I swear. Is swore. It's not a promise. It's swearing. Says, which I swear. Into. So he's saying that I want you to have confidence because of the promise. That be strong and of good courage. What is the foundation? The promise. 
How do I know we'll have 0% divorce? God said it. He said the part of the just man is as the shining light that shineth more and more unto the perfect day. How do we know that we will be alive tomorrow? It's because God said it. He said, I know the way I take. And he is able to keep us and cause us to reach our destination. He says, how do you know that God will take care of your health? Because he said it. Third John verse 2, beloved, I wish above all things that we will prosper and be in health. That there is a confidence that we can have because of the promise of God. Saying that our confidence is not psychological confidence. It is not financial confidence. Do you know that there is a confidence, and you'll see it this week when payroll is coming, eh? where there's a confidence that we know is salary confidence. Hmm? There's this guy who we work with in the office, and he comes to this church, he's, he's, a, he's a son. And I know, you see, what happened is we were not able to pay salaries for two months, but on the third month, I saw the guy, I said, aha, uh -huh. see power of salary. <laughs> Even the face was glowing. See suit. You know, there's uh, wonder kids will tell you that as men, when you look at suit, we know this is Gikomba suit. We know this is Moy Avenue suit. We know this one, you have to cross up a hill. Side suit. By the fabric, the fabric luster. And when you get more sophisticated, you'll talk about the thread count. That even when you made it and you thought you have good fabric, now there's another one called thread count. But now when you get the thread count right, there's now super 120 and there's super 240. Ah, hey, it's thread, it's fabric, it's, it's dashiki. But God is saying it is not strength based on a deal that went through. Saying, I want you to be courageous and of good, I want you to be strong and of good courage because of my promises. Because of my promises. Look at the second thing why you should be strong and courageous. He says, I want you to be strong and courageous because of God's word. This book of the law shall not depart out of their mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night. He says, for, thou shalt, for then shalt thou observe to do according to all that is written therein. For then shalt thou make thy way. Look at that construction. You will make your way. You will make your way prosperous. And you will have good success. Be strong and courageous because of God's principle. That God's principle always works. It works on Jan in January and it works in December. That we can work the word. And finally in verse 9 he says, Have I not commanded thee, be strong and of good courage. The third time God is speaking. And this time he says, For the Lord thy God is with thee. That I am strong and courageous because of what? God's presence. Ah. I am strong and courageous because of God's promise. Huh? I am strong and courageous because of God's principle. That I can, as long as they seed in the ground, I can expect the harvest. And I am strong and courageous because of God's presence. That I'm I know that my Redeemer lives. And I know that he indwells me. And I know that he's walking with me. Remember what he said. I will come and make my abode in you. You shall be my people and I will be your God. I will dwell among you and within you. That is confidence. That I have a father who will never fail me. But I also have a father who's ever present. I have a father who when, when frustration is beginning to enter inside. He is there resisting the darkness. Pushing back the darkness. Be strong and courageous. Because the presence of God is with you. 
I love the presence of God. The presence of God is not only when you're praying in tongues. The presence of God does not only come to you when you're giving to church. The presence of God is even when you're in your mistakes and at your worst estate. David said, when I lay my bed in hell, there your presence is with me. We don't have a schizophrenic God or a God that is a, head, is a high school headmaster that is just, you know, watching, waiting for you to make a mistake so I can work your behind. No! We have a God who says, Lo, I am with you always. Amen. That gives me strength. I am with him. Even now as I preach here, I am with him always. I am with him always. When I go to the airport, I am with him. He's in that plane. When you go to hospital, God knows you are there. Don't think he's waiting for Pastor Stan or Pastor Lobby to come and lay hands on you. No, God knows you are there. He's there with you on that deathbed. He's with you always. You are strong and courageous because God's presence, God's intoxicating presence is with you, dancing over you, affirming you, telling you, my son, I am with you always. In this journey, our confidence is not what we have in our hands. Our confidence is not who we know. Our confidence is who we are with. We are confident in God's promise. We are confident in God's principle. We are living a principle life. And we are confident in God's presence. I request us to stand up and pray. In Jesus' name. Thank you for sticking into the end. We hope you are blessed by this message. Follow us for more of these messages when new episodes drop and make sure to rate us so that more people can find out about us. Bye-bye.